0: Or volunteers. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to us in a crowded media landscape. Support for the Herb Doctor comes from Tony Jones, who provides Niazi healing, a hands-on healing philosophy where together Tony and her client can explore old patterns and beliefs that no longer serve Once empowered, with new perspectives, different choices can be made, moving towards a life that's truly desired. Contact Tony Jones at 707-223-2724 for further information or to schedule an appointment. Support for KMUD comes from Redwood Coast Energy Authority who provides services and support to the community to build energy resilience, reduce energy consumption, and expand the use of climate-friendly electric vehicles. Visit redwoodenergy.org for complete details or call 707-269-1700 for more information.
1: Okay, well, welcome to this month's edition of Ask Your Herb Doctor. It's March the 18th, 2022. Uh, Excuse a few technical hitches we had there, but we are live now. You're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM. From seven thirty till the end of the show at eight o'clock, callers are invited to call in with questions related to this month's continuing topic of MTOR and a further discussion of holistic versus mechanistic approaches to the treatment of disease. Um, so I think without further ado, let's uh, introduce Dr. Raymond Pete, who once again is joining us. Doctor Pete, are you with us?
2: Yes, hi.
1: Well thank you as always for giving your time. And um as always, I'm constantly reminded of people who have never heard of alternatives. Um, and I'm, I'm, jo- I'm not joking. I'm serious. And I guess I just cannot take it for granted. And I'm sure you don't take it for granted either that some people just don't know that there are alternatives to the standard model. Now, whether it's treatment or chemicals or whatever it is, but alternatives exist. And so for those people who are listening... Um, both now and who will pick this up on the audio archives at some point in the future. Uh, would you just give an outline of your academic and professional background so people that are listening can hear about you?
2: Um, before I studied uh, biology in graduate school, uh, I was studying uh, linguistics, literature, psychology, and uh, uh, teaching in those areas. Uh, and I decided I needed uh, more technical uh, science background to understand how the brain works in the humanities and language and so on. So I, in 1968, went to graduate school at University of Oregon in biology and uh, did, did my dissertation, uh, finished in uh, uh, 1972 and in the area of reproductive physiological aging, uh, the changes of oxidative metabolism during aging, uh, and its effect on reproduction. Uh, And uh, I've been uh, applying insights and related things to uh, uh, all sorts of problems in the 50 years since then
1: all right well thank you thank you for that uh so for those of you who are listening now uh we take corners callers from seven thirty till to the end of the show at eight o'clock uh the number is 707-923-3911 uh, once again 707-923-3911 um so dr p i think what i'd like to do um your exquisitely aware of this no doubt Um, but just for those who are listening tonight and like I said who will listen to the archives I wanted to carry on last month's topic uh, of the findings around research uh, of which there's lots of papers written uh, in 2022 21 and 2020 um, based on the concept of mTOR the (laughs) uh, mechanistic target of rapamycin Uh, And it's use in cancer, and I think the um, bulk of the evening show is going to remain based on the alternative approaches to cancer. Uh, What we do here is we like to give the scientific background for the relevance of certain substances, uh, whether natural or synthetic even, um, used to... uh, be a better approach to treatment of disease uh what i wanted to ask you dr pete just to give an outline yourself even uh on how how the alternatives um have been usurped in many ways um, by the modern approach to disease and how the machinery which drives that research Um, if it is true research at all, um, is corrupted by the interests of financial invested interests uh, because we really haven't made hardly any significant increases in our knowledge uh, of the treatment of cancer in particular. So with tonight's discussion, a uh, continuation of last month's and previous other shows based on alternatives, um, would you just give an outline of the kind of prior history of those thinkers like St. Georgie um, and numerous others? uh, You've you've discussed just ad lib uh, in describing other processes that we've just used for a radio show topic in the past. How the thinking of these kind of Classical people that are steeped in biology and not in mechanistic approaches, how how that's changed and what we are currently faced with in medicine, um, which doesn't doesn't seek to treat people holistically, let alone scientifically in some cases.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, the uh, mechanistic materialist uh, view, uh, reducing everything to a cause and effect a uh, 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 relation between two simple bits of matter uh, uh, that makes everything seem uh, absolutely clear uh, uh, to, to the people who have, have defined uh, science that way uh, but uh, when you focus uh, on the interaction uh, of uh, two or just a few particles uh, you, you can Understand those very clearly, but when you're focused that way, you miss the whole context. The people like Varberg uh, and St. Georgi uh, l- looked at the whole picture uh, of biology. Varberg uh, uh, saw things that happened in, in yeast, uh, saw them happening in cancer, production of, of lactate, lactic acid, even in the presence of oxygen and had the insight that this is something very important about the nature of life. Uh, St. Georgie uh, was following up on some other uh, insights by other people, uh, such as W.F. Koch, uh, and worked out the uh, classical uh, present uh, view of how Oxidation and mitochondrial uh, metabolism uh, work, but he kept in mind the whole uh, organism and, and what's going on uh, at every level of uh, uh, water and uh, uh, energy supply interactions, and uh, so on. Er- every conceivable thing that feeds into the life process, uh, and uh, didn't focus on uh, the. Uh, few reductionistic uh, uh, material interactions that uh, ordinary science does Uh, and as a result Varberg's work uh, was ridiculed and ignored for about 50 years Uh, more than 50 years Uh, it was only around the beginning of this century that uh, things he did in uh, the 1920s uh, started to be appreciated, but generally misunderstood. Uh, and uh, St. Georgie's work on, on cancer uh, involved things that biologists and doctors had never heard of or even thought of or even could think of. Uh, uh, the, the idea of what electrons in water are, are doing and how motion is the essential feature of life, and it's powered by the organized flow of electrons. And he applied that to cancer as well as muscle function and circulation. Every aspect of biology can be re-understood in terms of very simple things that act everywhere uh, there's no uh, single place in metabolism where uh, electrons and water and muscles uh, react to produce motion it's a a fundamental quality of life uh, so the,
3: uh,
2: the really uh, scientific <clears throat> work <clears throat> done attempting to understand the organism in terms of everything that can be known about it scientifically. The mainline science people are blind to that because it doesn't at all fit into reductionistic materialism or mechanistic materialism.
1: Okay, I think the... um... The concept of um, looking for a cause and an effect, uh, driving that kind of mechanistic approach, is largely ignored. The concept, um, if you like, of a living organism interacting with its environment and being affected directly by its environment. I, <laughs> in looking at your. Um, your newsletter that you publish uh, quarterly now isn 't it
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah um, you mentioned um, the presence uh, and the the uh, absolute knowledge of the cancer field uh, as a yeah not as a theory but as a reality. I think for people that are listening um, just to understand that. Uh, not only the concept of the bystander effect exists, whereby if a cell is irradiated uh, outside of the body and is introduced into the body, that it can have a similarly damaging effect, not because it's typically releasing high-energy electrons, but because the stress signals that the cell will give out as a result of being irradiated have a direct effect on other cells it comes into either into direct contact with or at a distance and that is a reality it's almost like a quantum physical uh, th- event that I think only probably with the last 10 or 15 years of science opening up quantum uh, theory are we able to put it into that place where we can begin to imagine such a thing is actually happening.
2: Uh, if people were demonstrating the phenomenon uh, 60 years ago uh, they knew that if you x-rayed uh, an animal uh, you didn't have to uh, x-ray uh, the brain and pituitary to cause uh, generalized hormonal changes for example it would cause the animal to go into heat the uh, uh, females uh, if you irradiated their foot The same thing would happen. The whole organism would shift shift its uh, hormonal balance towards uh, reproductive heat. Uh, And uh, uh, that is an example of the whole body as a cancer field. Uh, The uh, signal from the radiation is a, a holistic... Uh, stress on the whole whole organism that spreads something that uh, promotes cancer. Uh, The uh, uh, mainstream uh, biologists and and medical people are still uh, insisting that uh, uh, radiation causes uh, spot damage to the DNA, causes a mutation in in one gene of the DNA, uh, and that that mechanistic one-to-one damage somehow works its way out, ending up as a cancer. But that simply isn't a realistic picture. The radiation doesn't have to hit the DNA. It does something excitatory and pro-inflammatory to the organism separate from anything it might do to the DNA and that uh, general uh, stress uh, reaction to radiation turns on uh, these signals that transmit estrogen-like signals all through the body mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, people have found out that you can uh, uh, treat uh, uh, radiation poisoning and estrogen poisoning in the same way. And if you add radiation to estrogen, you've had an additive effect of, of the damage.
0: I also... So is, okay. Sorry, can I interrupt yeah, for ahead. a moment? Yeah.
4: So, Dr. Pete, this is why you rec- you're strongly recommend against any form of radiation, but specifically dental x-rays, because x-rays damage fast, fastly dividing cells. And when you have a dental x-ray, it's, it's affecting your brain, which is very rapidly dividing your eyes and your thyroid. Uh, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, and tongue cancer, tonsil cancer, uh, eye cancer, and brain cancer have all increased along with the uh, uh, incident, incidence or, or intensity of dental x-rays. Uh, a study in Seattle several years ago I uh, put a, a lead shield over the abdomen of of pregnant women, and found that a full set of dental X rays, with the thyroid and the pelvis and everything shielded by lead, caused if they were pregnant at the time, it caused the babies to be born under underweight, underdeveloped, the same way any stress or excess estrogen would do.
4: So the stress of that dental x-ray spread all the way down to the the uterus and the uh, developing baby.
2: Yep, everything in the body.
1: I wanted to uh, just briefly get into the... uh the term cancer field before we um, both open up the lines at 7.30 and get into the uh, subject of mTOR um, and uh, phosphoinositide 3-kinase as well as AKT um, as a triple pathway with which cancer is now being studied um, and a lot of natural products uh, with these blocking activities are being uh, trialed and used and ha- i already in phase two trials for cancer, uh, very many different cancers. But I wanted just to, um, for people that are listening, we talked about the bystander effect and how um, just the fact that you can damage a cell and reintroduce it into the body, it can still cause damage in the body. It's been introduced into, not because the body's been damaged, but the cell has a, an alarm signal that is basically propagated throughout Um, the organism and has a a bystander effect on other healthy cells well the same thing with the cancer field you wrote in your uh, January newsletter um, that the cancer field is very similarly set up in such that the actual tumor itself in a radiating pattern out from the tumor has differing Degrees of damage to the cells. So essentially, uh, there's a radiating pattern of damage from the central tumor out to distant tissues beyond the tumor that are precancerous, and that is propagated by a direct pathway that is similar to the bystander effect.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, uh, any of the intense stresses like uh, oxygen or glucose deficiency uh, will uh, reduce the efficient oxygen metabolism uh, and cause stress signals Uh, and uh, when one particular area uh, is responding more intensely to stress uh, what you get is a a small local version maybe a a few inches in diameter uh, of the uh, organismic bystander effect Uh, the bystander effect refers to Things that are well distributed through the body, but the uh, intense signals, uh, such as a cell that uh, is approaching or uh, already uh, turned into cancer, will chronically produce an excess of lactic acid, even uh, when it gets oxygen, and and so uh, there will be a gradient of lactic acid surrounding that cell that. Uh, irritates uh, and disturbs uh, the nearby cells, which then uh, begin producing lactic acid, and that spreads uh, uh, maybe through a few centimeters uh, of solid tissue, just the local diffusion uh, causes a visible gradient, uh, ending up in a a gradient of uh, DNA damage and mutations. or it's hard to list all of the factors other than uh, lactic acid that are diffusing uh, out of an injured cell. Uh, they include carbon monoxide, nitric oxide, uh, inflammatory cytokines, uh, a variety of those. Everything uh, that uh, the every body... <clears throat> Uh, uses to respond protectively uh, to damage. It, it can help local tissues multiply faster so that they can fill in uh, a wound, for example, uh, uh, accelerate the movement uh, and replication of cells uh, so that it's an essential part of healing a wound. But when it's coming, uh, being originated from a have mutated or seriously damaged group of cells, uh, then it's uh, tending to simply spread the damage rather than uh, accelerate the healing. So all, all of these are normal healing factors uh, li- like activating the local production of estrogen. That, that's a, a normal uh, part of uh, repairing t- uh, tissue damage. But uh, when it is prolonged and and something causes the body to be unable to turn it off, uh, then then each of these things adds to the spreading effect. uh, uh, As far as it diffuses locally, uh, you'll see this gradient of deterioration, including mutations. Uh, And meanwhile, uh, it's its, uh, adding a burden to the whole organism with the uh, more like the uh, radiation bystander effect.
1: Okay. You're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMD Galbaville, 91.1 FM from 7.30 till the end of the show, eight o'clock. You're invited to call in. The number is 707-923-3911. Once again, 707-923-3911. Uh, Dr. Raymond Pete joining us. Um, So before I guess we get into the uh, the the continued dialogue about mTOR and its importance as a target for the treatment of cancer, uh, I just wanted to outline this differentiation that I started with the the show with um, in terms of mechanistic versus holistic approach to treatment. The I read an article. in preparing for this, uh, which was pretty exhaustive and had a lot of good reference material in it, in its own right, as well as lots of natural and alternative um, inhibitors, as well as synthetic inhibitors, of course, you know, because it was a kind of a, a chemical journal article. Um, but basically, they discussed the uh, phosphoinositide 3-phosphate AKT mTOR pathway as a a kind of three-branched signaling pathway um, and we're discussing that saying essentially approximately 70 percent of ovarian and breast cancers are activated by a derangement in this pathway uh, and then also saying that about 90 percent of lung adenocarcinomas uh, show an aberrant activation of this pathway and then 40% or so of squamous cell carcinomas are activated by this pathway and last month we talked about mTOR for the first time and you had mentioned mTOR1 and mTOR2 as being subsets of mTOR and we kind of came up with the etiology of mTOR uh, and its discovery uh, and its reference to rapamycin um, and how that was discovered to be uh, a good uh, novel treatment uh, to block this inflammatory pathway of which cancer uses so would you would you just outline briefly again the um, mTOR 1 and mTOR 2 um, uh,
2: uh, the the one form is an activating uh, uh, phosphorylating enzyme uh, that it's uh, uh, when you're uh, Normally fed and growing up, it's what uh, uh, re- mediates between uh, eating more and growing more. Uh, 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 and, and if you overeat at any time, you tend to overproduce this growth factor uh, uh, that le- necessarily leads to the de- degenerative diseases. Uh, uh excess calorie intake is very important uh, and uh, the activation uh, of uh, uh, cell will turn on uh, mTOR and synthesis and, and growth uh, 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 such that uh, uh, in- intracellular calcium uh, which calcium should mostly be outside the cells but in- inside the cell it's an activating factor that, that Increases mTOR. The two form uh, of the enzyme uh, does similar things, but it's fairly insensitive uh, to uh, the usual signals, uh, such as overeating, but depends uh, mostly on growth hormone. Uh, and uh, many kinds of stress uh, will turn on an excess of growth hormone. Uh, uh, w- women have spectacularly high levels of uh, growth hormone compared to men uh, as a result of estrogen's uh, stress-inducing uh, effect. So the uh, uh, growth hormone has some particular uh, ways of uh, affecting our handling of fat. Uh, uh, that, that That's basically the, the way the Uh, mTOR2 is turned on uh, through high growth hormone
1: and and these growth hormones in their own right are proliferative um, Mm -hmm. agents that would promote cancer growth Mm -hmm. yeah okay so the um, so when I read when I read about this um, mTOR PI3K for want of a shorter term for it and AKT pathways um it looked like it wasn't just about mTOR um, that we had discussed last month, but that these other two arms of the same um, signaling uh, messenger system, um, the the phosphonocetide and the AKT pathway, were also uh, very good targets um, for shutting down uh, essentially the and it almost seemed like it was shutting down the energy um, pathway which I found a little hard to reconcile with given that um, thyroid hormone uh, and progesterone being uh, anti-inflammatory and energy uh, conservative mechanisms um, were concerned that the kind of energy production side of things uh, was something to be almost turned off in terms of having a a beneficial effect on slowing cancers down. And perhaps this is the same mechanism by which the calorie control or calorie restriction uh, producing a greater longevity in, in people is, uh, you know, is, is achieved.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, the o- overeating and M4 and so on uh, tend to favor the oxidation of fats over glucose. Uh, And when that happens, uh, you're basically slowing down uh, the constructive part of energy metabolism uh, and uh, shifting over towards uh, some of these risky, uh, simple growth pathways.
1: So what do you think about um, shutting down not just mTOR, but these other two pathways that are... um linked as a kind of three three branched um target i mean it's not in the mechanistic terms which is what the subject was about in terms of being holistic because um it's not looking for a sidle killing effect it's looking um and a lot of the things that were Listed were flavonoids, uh, and these were biologically active molecules found in fruits and vegetables. Of which the kind of you know five servings of fruit and vegetables a day eat it is based on in terms of good health, and not just from a vitamin C perspective, but the, the uh, antioxidant flavonoids. Um, whether whether or not, because I was looking for mTOR inhibitors, and it's, it seemed uh, as I'd mentioned, uh, I think last month that. There's things like uh, resveratrol uh, from the uh, Polygonum, uh, one of those, you know, the, the really massive uh, Polygonums uh, that kind of take over everything if you're not careful if you plant them. Uh, based in Japan, uh, I think also China is fairly endemic with it. Um, but they come from, you know, grape grape skins is one of the main sources of resveratrol. And then um, the berries, uh, things like blueberries and bilberries and cranberries, and I know oranges and uh, other citrus fruits uh, contain these flavonoids. Um, and then I saw two other two other um, herbs, and they caught my attention. One was a Japanese, uh, sorry, a Chinese um, herb, uh, Platycodon grandiflorus, uh, which contained this compound called. Platter code in D and then um, another Chinese herb magnolia grandiflora containing a product called honokoi uh, and they were using those um, as both AKT blocking and mTOR uh, inactivating substances as long, along with all the synthetic um, substances that they listed uh, and uh, two or three of which were kind of often repeated but in terms of the energy quenching activity Um, of flavonoids in terms of uh, free radical um, liberation so when people use uh, flavonoids if they've got an inflammatory uh, disorder that's kind of systemic and widespread how these uh, antioxidants, for want of a better word, and quench the free radical ge- generating effect uh, of inflammation, or that inflammation has. Uh, how this can be part and parcel of a, of a anti-cancer approach, a holistic anti-cancer approach, uh, rather than mechanistically poisoning the cancer cell, which I think a lot of um, chemo, well, definitely radiotherapy does, but uh, I think a lot of chemotherapy in the past, especially, has targeted. Um, cancer cells in a killing uh, way. Uh, what do you think about the, uh, the? as I know you use C- CO2 promotion, you know, generating uh, higher than regular physiological levels of CO2 as being uh, protective, uh, and then obviously the other protective molecules like progesterone um, and aspirin uh, and other compounds that would increase your CO2. Um, what do you think about those things that I've mentioned, then the flavonoids and/or um, the other the other substances that have this energetic, uh, uh,
2: they, they do directly uh, uh, quench the free radicals and are protective that way. But I think their more basic effect is that they intensify the cell's normal uh, cytochrome uh, uh, oxidase based uh, oxidation by speeding up the energy producing oxidation through the electron transport chain that that process uh, uh, prevents or reduces or prevents the random oxidation that creates free radical uh, damage Uh, and so it's a lot more general and fundamental to uh, intensify uh, respiratory energy than to try to use the antioxidant function Uh, uh, if you think in terms of antioxidants uh, it it can uh, go wrong because cancer is better than uh, anything at uh, uh, creating antioxidant uh, 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 effects part part of their uh, wildness is their Uh, uh, ability to defend themselves uh, against uh, free radical uh, damage. Uh, uh, Chemotherapy and radiation uh, are intended to kill cancer cells by way of uh, the free radical damage. Uh, But uh, they have an antioxidant uh, system that uses high production of electrons. Uh, Basically, the excess of uh, lactic acid causes an excess of of electrons that will uh, uh, end the cycle or or quench the uh, free radicals, but meanwhile they're failing uh, to uh, activate normal energy producing uh, uh, oxidation.
0: So you were talking earlier if you got dental x-rays or other x-rays that it affected stuff near it. If you were going to be exposed to x-rays, what sorts of foods or other things would you want to do to help protect yourself? Uh,
2: uh, things such as uh, uh, thyroid, magnesium, and progesterone, uh, which have p- promote the production of carbon dioxide rather than uh, lactic acid. Uh, and then all of these other protective things, the, f- the flavonoids uh, uh, and uh, uh, caffeine, aspirin, and so on.
4: I think basically, Dr. P., what what it sounds like you and Andrew are describing is cancer involves a lot of inflammation and a lot of these compounds are acting as anti-inflammatories and increasing normal cellular um, respiration. Uh,
2: uh, Yeah, uh, that's really a a secret of thyroid uh, function. Uh, It's anti-inflammatory by addressing... Uh, oxygen towards consuming these uh, uh, electrons that would otherwise cause inflammation.
4: Because when the body's inflamed, then it results in a lactic acid respiration, which is very damaging and inflammatory.
2: Uh, Yeah, And increases the uh, loose electrons that are susceptible to uh, random oxidation. Right.
1: Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Eb Doctor, KMUD Galberville 91.1 FM from now until the end of the show, 8 o'clock. You're invited to call in, and number 707 923 3911. So, in terms of uh, the use of agents that would um, block mTOR or um, block um, either um, the uh, phosphoinositol 3 phosphate or the akt pathway um do you think there's any because i also saw when i was looking at this that they've come up with second second generation mTOR inhibitors um i know they talked about the first uh, i think you mentioned them last month um uh, sirolimus and evrolimus um, as being um, analogs here, but they t- also talked about these second-generation inhibitors. They, they're calling them ATP competitive mTOR kinase inhibitors, um, such as Torin one and taurin two. Do you th- do you think these molecules that um, compete with ATP, the the kind of en- energy currency uh, of the cell, do you think these have? Um, some mileage and and value in terms of – because what I have trouble with is is conceptualizing uh, interfering with energy production.
2: Uh, That doesn't sound like it will end well. Yeah. Uh, The the essential thing you need is to stabilize the cell.
1: Right, because you're Uh, always mentioning sugar being very important and not to – not to um, you know, uh, starve someone from sugar, not just for diabetes, but that's when you first you know, mentioned it, but for cancer. And it's not at all uh, scientifically rationalized that that is a good way to go about.
2: Yeah, because the starving cancer it emits signals that tell the body to convert its own tissues, muscles, skin, nerves, to, to glucose. To amino acids which can be turned into glucose uh, so when you start a cancer cell it tells the body to start breaking itself down to provide the food at uh,
1: and then they also went on to uh, discuss the the uh, uh, cancers uh, enduring cancer metabolism was strongly uh, or at least the angiogenesis of cancer the um Creation of uh, novel um, vessels uh, to bring blood and nutrients, etc., to the cancer, cancer which uh, is in a uh, kind of a heightened state. That the men- we've mentioned this before. The hypoxia inducible factor, um, the activation of that was very responsible uh, for driving and promoting cancer, and how things like vascular endothelial growth factor uh, are other. Substances um, which drive cancer's production. So, blocking, you know, blocking hypoxia inducible factor uh, is something that I know you've talked about in the past when we've done shows similar to this. And,
2: and that tends to go with activating uh, uh, carbonic anhydrase, uh, which uh, is uh, uh, the cell's way of uh, disposing of, of acidic carbon dioxide. Uh, but when that uh, is too active, uh, it causes the uh, cell to become alkaline, leading to the production of lactic acid. Uh, that's very central to the cancer metabolism is to create alkalinity inside the cell by activating uh, the uh, enzyme that converts carbon dioxide from from its acidic form uh, to the. Uh, uh, Carbonate, uh, carbonic acid form.
1: Okay, so for those uh, for those who are listening, uh, I wanted to run through some other uh, natural mTOR inhibitors, and I think I mentioned last month um, turmeric. Turmeric's getting a lot of press uh, for its yeah, anti- rheumatic, uh, anti-inflammatory um, effects, for its anti-cancer effects, and probably uh, gets its anti-cancer kudos from. Being a natural mTOR inhibitor, uh, and then resveratrol I mentioned that from uh, Polygonum cuspidatum, uh, and then a compound whose abbreviation is uh, uh, EG- EGCG, epigallocatechin gallate uh, from green tea, uh, as well as uh, diethyl methane uh, and caffeine. Uh, I was pleased to see caffeine there, saying that this may inhibit mTOR signaling directly and. Indirectly, um, and then I saw two other substances here that caught my attention. And one was um, a substance called Shogal from ginger root. Um, and there was an article reference saying it inhibited the PI3K AKT mTOR pathway by directly targeting AKT1 and AKT2, but not the PI3K or the mTOR pathway. So, ginger. Um, was used there specifically for colon cancer and then I know you're not into the um, kind of pre-diabetes treating drugs but metformin do you have any good things to say about metformin because metformin was actually listed as one of those things to inhibit mTOR Uh, uh,
2: yeah uh, the only drawback is that uh, it acts to uh, inhibit part of the uh, electron transport chain Uh, so it's impairing the mitochondria while uh, also doing the beneficial thing of turning off mTOR. So uh, it's good to be uh, cautious about uh, metformin because uh, uh, there's not enough known about it, but uh, still it's, its effects are generally uh, protective uh, through inhibiting mTOR.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then d- d- do you think there's... Um do you think there's much value um, in using something, some of these substances as a potential treatment for Alzheimer's? And I saw other references for neurovegetative disorders. And then I think that there may have been um, a Parkinson um, indication because of the um, amyloid beta that was uh, quote-unquote treated Uh, or decreased, and the neurofibrillary tangles, uh, that could be uh, mitigated by using some of these substances because of their effect on mTOR and mTOR's kind of downstream effects on um, amyloid production. Uh,
2: uh, Yeah, inflammation is involved in all of the degenerative processes, Uh, and so uh, the anti-inflammatory, anti-mTOR things, are turning out to be protective against obesity, Alzheimer's, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, anything you can think of, turns out to involve inflammation at its root.
1: Okay, let me give out the number. We do have a caller, but if uh, people would like to call in, it's 707-923-3911. Dr. Raymond Pete with us. So caller, you're on the air. Uh, where are you from? What's your question?
3: Drew and Sarah, this is Margaret and uh, Dr. Pete. I'm uh, grateful for your show. Um, I'm from Garberville, and your mention of turmeric uh, caught me because uh, I use turmeric uh, daily pretty much, but I I know that there's a tendency in our society to find something like turmeric or other extractives from other herbs and things, and it's like, oh, this is this is so great. I'm going to put it in capsules and take, you know, like right. five millimeters of it every day, or five centimeters, or not centimeters, but but you know, milligrams. And 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 um, I, w- I, I was wondering if you would address uh, whether that's bene- really beneficial, or if it's if it's beneficial enough to take it in your ordinary diet, you know, just mm-hmm. just as it as it comes. Kind of. Do we have to really? Socket to our bodies with all of these um, uh, extracts and pills and things, you know? Uh, I think. Is that clear? I think, the question?
2: I think you can overeat on the so called protective things.
3: Uh-huh. Uh,
2: same with vitamin C. Uh, instead of being uh, uh, antioxidant, it becomes pro-oxidant when uh, it begins uh, producing excess electrons in cells
3: uh-huh and and what about the other the other lesser um like 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 turmeric comes to mind because I do use that uh I know people that take it in little capsules every day and it seems excessive to me, but I'm not sure is it beneficial at that level or or what
1: I think, I think some of this comes from, uh, studying, uh, populations in countries that use it in their cuisine. So whether the Indian subcontinent where they use, or the Asian subcontinent, you know, where they use a, a lot of, um, turmeric and or ginger, uh, and yeah. these, and these other substances is concerned. I think they have fairly low incidences of colorectal cancer. And I think they've kind of put the two and two together when they've looked at Uh, Turmeric um, and its anti-inflammatory activity, as positing that as a potential mechanism by which they've, you know, have fairly low incidences.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, the the thing is, they use it as a matter of course in their daily lives. We tend Mm. to say, "This is great. I'm going to load myself up with it," and I'm I'm just thinking that maybe that's not as beneficial as we think it might be. Maybe we should just follow that pattern and. And use it in a more uh, in- integrative part, kind of way, you know. Uh,
4: more, more in a culinary
3: fashion. Yes, thanks, yeah. Sarah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So that we're, it's we're eating our medicine instead of taking capsules. Yeah. Yeah. To remember too is a lot of um, traditional cultures make teas out of these things. They're mm-hmm. not just like you know swallowing tablespoons of turmeric root. They're putting some in their cooking, and if they're going to make it into a medicine, they make it into a tea, which helps to yeah. extract the medicinal constituents like a tincture does without having to have all the extra fiber and potential extra heavy metals that are in herbs that don't get extracted in the tea and the tincture
1: Yeah, that's a, that's like a, they would in yeah. the root of turmeric. That's a very good point because having looked at these uh, botanicals and put them through uh, icp to see what levels of uh, kind of uh, California 4 um, you know, heavy metals, arsenic, cadmium, lead, and mercury are within these herbs as part of a GMP process to produce um, these extracts and sell them. I know from from data, raw data, that the um, the the plant itself, the root, uh, contains very high levels, in some cases, of those compounds, and the extracts contain virtually none. And so the, the extract process, um, I would say this much, is very clean compared to the root of the actual herb if you were going to consume this. And so uh, we've done shows on this with fish in the ocean uh, and showing how much um, arsenic, cadmium, lead, mercury is in them. Um, the same goes for any plant material that you would use um, that was basically ingested in the powder uh, or capsule form, which is why we're not at all... Um, in agreement with capsules and powders over mm-hmm. extracts because extracts do not bring out the heavy metal content of the tr- raw material. It's as simple as that. I can mm-hmm. show well, you. And,
4: and also, of extract tinctures, <laughs> they concentrate the material. <clears throat> you yeah. know, you concentrate yeah, sure. the medicinal mm-hmm. constituents.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your uh, your help. Thank yeah,
1: you. You're welcome. Thank okay. you, Margaret,
3: for your call. Okay.
1: I think we have another call on the line, so <laughs> let's take this next call. A call away from what's your question?
4: Hi, my name is Margie, and I would like a clarification on when Dr. Pete says um, sugar, does that mean just um, fructose or uh, honey, natural sugars? Yeah. Um, and I can take my answer off the air. In-
1: incidentally, where are you from? I'm from Pepperwood. Pepperwood, okay. So, yeah, you know, you kind of read my mind now. I was going to say that, uh, and I wasn't going to be devil, devil's advocate, but it sounded like I was going to be a moment ago in going to answer the previous caller's question. So I was going to say, what about sugar? Do we just want to get that from carbohydrates or do we want to get it from sugar or honey? Because I think Dr. Pete would say to get it from honey and to get it from sugar. Um, but, yeah, Dr. Pete. Um, it's
2: also good uh, coming from starch or, or other more complex,
1: healthy starches, carbohydrates.
2: Though. But uh, the problem is, uh, some of those, uh, like sweet potatoes, uh, are such mixtures. Uh, uh, they have uh, woody material uh, and fats, uh, uh, indigestible things mixed in with the uh, otherwise uh, uh, useful uh, carbohydrates. Uh, so you can't just say that. Annual starch is going to be equivalent uh, to uh, glucose or sucrose or or honey. Uh, It it depends on whether it's digestible.
4: Well, I think I want to. Can I go back to the sugar issue and the cancer issue that you touched on earlier? Every cell in the body needs glucose to operate. So if you don't eat any kind of sugar, your body is going to turn on a harmful metabolism to make sugar and that is involving lactic acid correct dr pete uh,
2: and high cortisol is necessary to uh, mobilize and break down the protein to make amino acids and the and glucose
4: which also promotes cancer cortisol also promotes cancer it's a stress promoter
2: weakens your immunity against it mm-hmm.
4: yeah lowers your immune system like everybody knows steroids suppress the immune system And cortisol is a natural steroid your body will make when you starve your body of sugar, glucose. So I I know, doctor, you said that honey and white sugar, cane sugar, are identical in their structure. They both are sucrose, which is half fructose and half glucose.
2: Uh, Yeah, and the pure fructose on the market, for many people it has allergenic effects because of It's manufactured uh, uh, in in a more complex way than uh, uh, with sucrose. You simply uh, concentrate the juice and remove the uh, uh, impurities from the cane juice to make uh, white sucrose. But to to make uh, fructose, uh, chemical and enzyme processes uh, are used uh, that introduce some trace allergens. So you have right. to be cautious about using what they call a, a powdered fructose.
4: Right, so you would recommend honey or cane sugar over a fructose because of the process that the fructose goes through, even though fructose is um, more nutritious sugar. Uh, yeah. And and the other thing, too, is um, I know, Dr. Witt, you don't recommend people just eat white sugar by the tablespoon without balancing it with a, a healthy fat. A healthy saturated fat like coconut oil and/or uh, uh, butter,
2: uh, and
4: a protein, uh,
2: yeah, you can, or at you, least with
4: just a protein, so that it's not just an instant sugar spike.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, it, it can be used in a pure form. For example, as a mild analgesic for babies, uh, they give them a, a a bit of pure sucrose uh, and a, sort of a painkiller, uh, and in areas that lack penicillin uh, a big wound that otherwise would be fatal has been packed with uh, pure uh, store-bought white sugar uh, and uh, it has a, a germicidal effect as well as a, a protective effect so uh, well,
4: also honey so, does too they pack wounds uh, with honey as well
2: yeah so it has a specific therapeutic effects besides it's Uh, uh, protective nutritional effects
4: right I hope that answered that caller's question there
1: okay good I think there was a caller that came in but it is 4 minutes to I don't think we can do it it's almost 3 minutes to the hour
2: Uh, uh, one thing I wanted to (laughs) mention before we're finished is that vitamin D is a very important inhibitor of mTOR because it works on uh, many other levels Inhibits things that would promote mTOR, uh, reduces uh, uh, the processes that would amplify a little inflammation into a big inflammation, such as uh, blocking prostaglandin
1: formation. Okay, excellent. So, Dr. Pete, do appreciate you uh, joining us again on the show, and uh, I'll give out your information. Uh, and thank you so much. Okay, thank you.
4: Thank you, Dr. Pete.
1: Okay so for those who've listened to this uh, March 18th 2022 edition of Ask Your Herb Doctor
0: uh, uh something just happened try try saying what you just said again Andrew I I hung up and uh everything cut out on the board can you hear me uh okay we hear uh huh Try the other mic. Oh, no. Well, I hate to have a rough ending to that, but uh, something weird just happened on the KMUD Ancient Board here, and uh, I'm going to have to fill out a technical malfunction thing. And uh, please support Redwood Community Radio, because... We really, really, really do need a new board. Thank you so much for joining us. It's time to step out on a wing and a prayer. of the day. Oh, here we are. we both off. I'm you, you made, made it. it. All right. Have you found the microphone?
4: Yeah, I see it.
0: Here. All right. All right. We're in the vicinity. Well, uh, hello, chef. Hey there, fancy ma. Fancy, meet me here. Yeah, what a, what a
3: coincidence.
0: Uh, here's a little card I found. Uh, Mine reads that this program is supported by the Redwood Palace, a full-service restaurant that offers a relaxed dining experience on the Avenue of the Giant's. Offering a full selection of local beer and wine, Humboldt Bay oysters, cheese, charcuterie boards, and special dinners. The Redwood Palace is located in Miranda and can be reached at 707-223-5749. Menu and more online at redwoodpalacemiranda.com to go and dining in from Wednesday through Saturday, 5 to 9 p.m. Oh, by the way...